Hi everyone, welcome to Outgrow's Market of the Month. I'm your host Saksham Sharda. I'm the creative director at Outgrow.co. And for this month, we're going to interview Emily Washkowick, who is the Senior Field Marketing Manager at Yelp. Hi, Emily. Hi, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, so we're going to start with a rapid fire round uh, just to break the ice. Try to keep your answers to one word or one sentence only. The first question is, how long does it take you to get ready in the mornings? 30 minutes. Okay. How many hours of sleep can you survive on? Seven. All right. Neil Patel or Gary Vaynerchuk? That's a tough one. I'll say Neil. Okay, Neil. Uh, your favorite fictional character? Scout from To Kill a Mockingbird. Okay. I, that, that almost sounds like tequila mockingbird. <laughs> <laughs> All of us could use some tequila today, so it can be For tequila sure. mockingbird. All right. And what's your favorite literary genre? Surprise question. <laughs> I'll say historical fiction for right now. Okay. Uh, the biggest mistake of your career? Oof. Not being my true and authentic self in the beginning. That's very deep, yeah. Uh, giving presents or getting presents? Giving. Same. <laughs> How many <laughs> cups of coffee do you drink per day? Two. Okay. The most valuable skill you've learned in life? Building relationships. Deep again, okay. Fill in the blank. An upcoming marketing trend is blank. I'll say vlogging. Okay. And finally, your favorite Tiger King character. Oh my gosh, I love this. This might be a audience splitter, but I'm gonna go with Joe. <laughs> Joe Exotic for the win. Okay, all right, that's the end of the rapid fire round. I hope it broke the ice. <laughs> all right, and now let's move on to the bigger questions. As someone who has had a diverse experience in various facets of small and big businesses, what is the one thing that you think is going to change significantly for the upcoming Black Friday, Christmas shopping season, as well as, as going into 2021? I think the biggest change we're already seeing this year is consumers are doing values-driven spending. So they're spending money at businesses that align with their Values. One great example would be searches for Black-owned businesses have been up 6,500% this year. So that, in addition to people writing reviews that mention businesses are women-owned, those are really giving us that inclination that consumers are spending in that way. They're maybe looking for those businesses that align. And also another huge thing is they're spending locally. So, you know, we've always had shop small, right? We've always had Small Business Saturday, but I think this year in general, consumers have seen the hit that businesses in their local area have taken. And so they're being more intentional about spending with local businesses where they can. And they're making a little bit more of a plan for that. We've been seeing consumers start doing those searches as well as making that plan for spending now because they do need to make arrangements, whether that's you know curbside pickup or a different set of shopping plans than what they would have in a pre-COVID environment. Again, do you think uh, there's been a huge transition to online marketing? Yeah, I mean, definitely online is huge. And I think the thing I love here is 
we're seeing online, but that doesn't always necessarily mean online with a Walmart or an Amazon. It means online with local businesses as well. So I've seen tons of local businesses who had websites or online stores before they weren't really leveraging or utilizing. And during COVID, they've been able to get their products online and start some online volume there. So I think that's a huge opportunity for small businesses as well is to come up with in e-commerce method to connect with your consumer and then having alternatives for how you get that item to them, whether you're doing shipping, whether you're doing curbside pickup. So I think while online is huge, it's not necessarily online as in only spending with big boxes because we can't shop like we used to. Okay. Uh, the next question is your top advice when it comes to dealing with a bad review of one's product or service. Absolutely. So I think the first thing is engagement. Responding to reviews is so important, both positive and negative. And I think the crucial thing there is in many cases, you're responding to reflect your customer service practices and to reflect who you are as a business, not necessarily to win that consumer over or change their mind. While that is a positive outcome that does in many cases happen, the real intention is to address a concern and address it publicly in a way that other consumers know not only where you stand on the issue, but also how to approach you. So something great that we see is business owners that respond to their online reviews not only typically have more reviews, they have a higher star rating. And the psychology behind that makes a little bit of sense, right? If I find a business online and I see they have lots of reviews and they respond to them, I'm more likely to share my experience because I know it's going to benefit them as well and they pay attention. But also if I have a concern and I see that this business has historically taken care of things or solved issues, maybe I'm more likely to reach out to them directly instead of airing my grievances or concerns on a platform like Yelp. Okay, so it's just like, so when, when someone is seeing all those reviews that have been responded to, they feel like, oh, the customer service is very engaged. So they would most likely just answer my question if I actually just went to them directly. Yeah, that seems like a very good strategy. But if a review is really bad, is there like a trick for that or, or would you leave it at that? Yeah, I think that's a good question. So one thing I always like to mention when it comes to those really critical reviews, but even more so the rants or the raves, we have to remember that as consumers, we're pretty smart as well. So let's say you have a listing and you have a handful of reviews and you have that one really bad negative one. Sometimes it appears to be an outlier on its own, but as a business owner, you can maybe glean a little bit of that information. So on Yelp, for example, if you click on the reviewer's name, you'll see a full breakdown of their profile and all the reviews they've written with the star rating as well. So you can tell if this person skews more negative. And I think if you're dealing with a situation like that, where they're always writing critical reviews, maybe those are the opportunities where you send a direct message or you just let that one go by. Um, and again, just kind of remembering that everything is within context, right? Um, but also there are times when maybe you should be flagging reviews as well. If it's not a firsthand consumer experience, um, if they're, 
you know, using crude or crass language, we certainly have terms of service and content guidelines that we live by and hold our content by. So flagging, if you feel like it's not something that should be online, is always a good first step as well if you're dealing with that really critical or that really um, negative review. So I would say for the upcoming Black Friday and the, all the entire shopping season, if people get neg- if companies or small businesses get negative reviews for, I don't know, because they weren't able to deliver on time, what would be the best strategy? It would be to just respond or in case it's a raging review to just ignore it, I guess, or report it. Yeah, and I think to take an opportunity where you can to share information and set expectations. So that's a huge thing right now. The more you communicate and set proper expectations, the less likely you're going to have to deal with negative reviews related to things like COVID, right? I think one big thing would be, let's say you're shipping a lot of your purchases that are happening for your business. If you're seeing delays in shipping, just communicating that right from the get is going to be really beneficial, right? When you get that order, that message that says, we've received your order due to holiday time, it'll take extra processing or due to what we've seen with USPS, expect a few extra days. I think just that communication sets those expectations and then you're not really having that consumer that's so let down by feeling like they were maybe misled or they didn't get what they expected. Yeah, for sure. Uh, The next question is, You've worked in sales and marketing both. Uh, How should the sales and marketing teams in any company function to help each other in the best way possible? Are there any tips you'd like to give for this? That's such a good question. And I think a really important thing is communication between the two is very valuable. So let's start on the sales side of things. Sales in any company, whether it's Yelp or, you know, even a plumber who has technicians who go out and, you know, get the jobs, sales is going to be more of that firsthand layer of touch point with your customer, right? So use that to your advantage. Hear from them what they're running into. See what their big problems are or, you know, maybe what the issue a consumer is having that frequently comes up that your business could address. And that information, that insight, that firsthand customer experience can really help marketing do a better job having their message landing, right? Um, I'm a marketer now, I would consider myself by trade. And in that sense, I try to think of what's going to motivate my end user, right? What I want them to do or think or where I want them to go. But ultimately, if I'm out of touch with who they are and their day-to-day behaviors, and especially right now, how they're impacted by COVID, by environmental things, depending on where you are in the world, your marketing might fall really flat. So I think that communication is very key. And then I also think sales has to be open and listen to the expertise of marketers because there are so many things to a marketing nuance. One great example would be You know, you need to hit people with a message about six or seven times before it really resonates. And I think if you're a small business and you're putting together a marketing plan, that might seem like a huge feat, right? How do I even create a touch point drip marketing campaign that's going to have all those hits? And so when you need marketing expertise, bring that in. And when you're on the sales side of things, trust that marketing acumen, but give your feedback when it comes to the customers and the end users. So 
to wrap that all up in summary, I think communication between the two departments is key and really taking yourself out of your own position and looking at the alternative, whether it's a marketer or a salesperson and see their expertise for what it is. So find value in their expertise. You create such a better symbiotic relationship. Yeah, that sounds very apt. Uh, the next question is, uh, in your experience, what is the one most important thing that small businesses should take care of to enter the big leagues or to compete with big brands in the upcoming shopping season and otherwise in general? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is online presence. So no matter what, when someone goes to search for your business on the internet, they're going to be looking to right? So if you have a Google My Business page with all your updated and accurate hours and website and all of that, but your Yelp page is not updated, that's an issue, right? Consumers then don't necessarily know what information to trust. And so right now having that information and what I call the COVID information, the COVID message, prominently displayed, easily accessible, and consistent across all your platforms is going to be crucial in you being able to generate transactions and get more attention on your business. I know you said one thing, but I'm going to add a yeah, little sure. second layer to that. Social media is one of those platforms, right? So when you get that COVID message, figure out how can you tease that out into multiple social media messages. For example, if you're going through and updating your COVID safety measures on Google or on Yelp, make a little sticky note next to you in ways you can translate this same message to Instagram. So when you're checking that box, employee face masks required, let's think of what picture can I take today mid-shift that shows one of my staff handing off an item to a customer and everyone's wearing masks. Those are the ways where if they're continuing to leverage those free communication tools, they're just going to become more visible to the people in their community. So just being very mindful about humming that same message over and over. Where do you want them to go? Where can that transaction begin? What are the hours that you're open for them to engage with? Okay, so there's another thing though. How do small businesses then compete against big businesses who are making a lot of noise on social media in this time? So what is the strategy that small businesses can use to like compete? What do you think? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think a big thing is collaboration. And so mm -hmm. social media as an example is such an easy quote unquote, you can't see me doing those air quotes, but it's an easy platform to cross promote, to partner up and really get more brand exposure. So take that risk and send that direct message to a big brand or you know a popular person when it makes sense for your company and see if you can do a collaboration. I've seen a lot of people get additional eyeballs on a project they've done during COVID just by tagging a random person. I have a food and wine business in LA that I'm friends with the owner. They have a three location business. And right at the beginning of COVID, they started at mentioning different famous sommeliers and saying, what are you drinking in your home during COVID? And what are you pairing together? And it was shocking to see the response they would get. They even were able to set up some virtual tastings where these famous sommeliers came on and did virtual events for them at no cost. 
because things are just different right now. People want to collaborate. People want to connect. And so I think a small brand can easily begin with app mentions and hashtags to cross brands or accounts that make sense. And then also do a little collaboration locally too. Is there something that you're selling that could pair up really well with another local business in your area? And how can you guys share customers, right? How can you help promote other places? And again, it really comes back to this core interest for consumers to spend and support local. And so I think if you're pushing that message out there, that's something they're searching for. So just keep putting yourself out there and keep promoting the key and core things that are really valuable right now during the holiday season. So maybe it's about turning that volume up on a handful of your items, services, et cetera, that are more optimal and more desired during this holiday season. Sure. So it's also like to an extent, as you're saying, it's about personalizing your message to particular audiences. And what we have seen with our audience, especially at Outgrow, is that a lot of them use, uh, I don't know whether it's true, like you must have seen it as well. They use e-commerce recommendations to try to achieve that. So in the case of a wine thing that you're talking about, that's marketing where they're matching wines and, you know, pairing wines. But our audience has tried to use it like, you know, that recommending wine bottles for a particular occasion in these uh, upcoming uh, uh, holidays. So I think that's one of the ways. But have you seen the use of that in any of the companies? Yeah, you know, specifically, I think one thing is thinking about a way that you can insert yourself into what they're going through, what the consumer is going through, and the losses that they have. So let's take one step back on that. Every business who's been impacted by COVID has a consumer that's been impacted by COVID, right? Like your business has been halted or slowed because of things that are no longer possible. But that creates opportunity in many cases for you to connect with your consumer on a different level, a different product, a different service, a different need. So I think especially as we enter the holidays, something cool is like, how can you interject yourself into a holiday experience? One great example, we saw huge upticks for things like baked goods, cakes, et cetera. People who aren't going to be able to be together during the holidays are going to want to send things to each other or, you know, make each other feel like they're thinking of one another, not necessarily just in our typical gift sense. And so maybe they're calling a bakery in their, you know, mom's town and having a hand delivered option because that bakery has started this big campaign about, you know, single family size packaged pumpkin pies or whatever it might be. So I think that's the cool thing for businesses is you have an opportunity right now to present yourself as a change, a new option, a new thing in lieu of this huge loss we're all ultimately going through when it comes to this holiday season, right? So it's kind of like turning that coin and making yourself the positive thing that's going to be the difference in this holiday season. So do you think it provides a kind of opportunity? Because what we are seeing is that, you know, uh, Macy's and Walmart, they can't have those physical stores anymore. So there can't be those Russian shopping malls anymore, which means they have to go online just like everyone else. So it's kind of fair play because if you're a small business, you're competing for the same online space. Do you think that's applicable? Definitely. And I think, again, we come right down to if it's a candle, 
if I can buy a candle from, you know, Bed Bath & Beyond online, or I can buy a candle from one of my local retailers up here who, you know, houses local jewelry and handmade items, ultimately online, I'm probably spending about the same amount, right? And so I think we're going to see these consumers tip away from what was convenience because now they have convenience for both and tip towards small and local. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So the final question, final question is, uh, (laughs) I guess it's a typical question, but I really want to ask you this. What's a good strategy for getting a lot of reviews? Could you also give me an example, a case study or like a prominent example you can think of a company that had exponential reviews and an extension to this question, how could one use the upcoming shopping season to build up that review base? Because, you know, it's a great opportunity because it's shifted online completely. So Could you unpack that for us? Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. So first, I want to make something of a statement here. Um, And this maybe isn't known by a lot of people. So it is important to always talk about this. On Yelp in particular, we take a firm stance on asking for or soliciting reviews. So we really want business owners to understand that that's not necessarily their job. And especially on our site, if they're going to work to acquire reviews through processes like um, we've all seen it, right? If you're giving like a coupon or a deal away to get reviews written, those reviews more often than not are going to be not recommended on our site because of our algorithm. So it works against those solicited reviews. And the reason is because solicited reviews are innately biased, right? But on top of that, it's kind of like that icky feeling when a business feels like they're holding you hostage for a review, right? Like, please, please, please write us a review. Where on the flip side, businesses that create those exemplary experiences, whether it's through customer service or, you know, we've all been in a brick and mortar where you walk in and you are just blown away by the sensory experience. I think any of those memorable moments you can create as a business owner, those are going to be what innately create a review, right? And so during this holiday season, when we don't have as much of that in-person opportunity, I think the wowing, the the memory for the consumer is going to be in that experience from start to finish. Was it smooth? Was it easy? And so if we're talking specifically about online, for example, let's just walk through a consumer journey. If I do a search and I want to find a local candle, I don't want to get it from a big box brand, and I'm going to look for candle I can purchase online, I'm going to want to be seeing my options, but I'm also going to want to be able to quickly transact, right? I don't want to have to click through like four or five things before I can purchase. So if you have something that you're pushing or promoting, whether it's on your website or social, it's going to be so key to drive that consumer to the transaction as quick as you can. And that's going to be what elevates you and what creates more of those orders. Um, Did that... Did I end up going in a weird direction on that or was that it? No, that's good. Could you give us an, well, from your memory, any idea of like a company that had an exponential growth in reviews? Yeah, that was the second part. There were like three questions in this, so my fault. No, but that's perfect. I knew I was forgetting (laughs) one of the key elements. That's perfect. So 
when I see exponential reviews, what mm. I see is themes always. Mm. Okay. So I'll give you a really good example. Um, actually for this show that we're putting together, I'm trying to source businesses all across North America and we look at their pages and kind of see if we can get a story about them from their reviews and the business pages that have those high volume of reviews, they have that consistent experience across the board. So a really interesting category would be movers, for example, okay? When you're a moving company, it's not necessarily innate for all of us as consumers to review them, right? But it is probably a pretty good or a pretty crappy situation. Like when you're moving, it's normally one or the other. But the moving companies that have those high volumes of reviews are constantly being thanked in their reviews for the customer service, for the constant touch points of communication, for the ease of solutions if something went wrong, right? So customer service, nine times out of 10, is the positive review indicator or the positive review North Star. And I think if you think of big brands, we see that as well, right? Think of North Face, for example. They're known as a brand that if your jacket has an issue or you know stops working or whatever, you bring it in and you're gonna get a new one. You're not gonna have to pay for it. They're gonna just give it to you. And so I think the businesses and the small businesses especially that can create that same feeling in their consumer are the ones that have those reviews just pour in because everyone who comes through their door, you know, feels that way. And then I think your last question was about specific to the holiday season. How can mm -hmm. they use that to get more reviews? Hey, I think getting out ahead of the concerns and really elevating that experience is going to be huge. Something I've seen, and I don't know if you've seen these trends, but retailers doing like a virtual shopping option and then a curbside pickup. So I did this actually myself a few weeks ago, signed up for a virtual shopping appointment in a 10 minute time slot. I wasn't sure how it was going to work, but it had a Zoom link. Most of us know how to use Zoom by now. I clicked into it, a woman at the shop answered and walked me through the store. I got to look at, I was looking for a plant and I wanted it potted, got to look at different options. She gave me a little of her expertise. She got to see in my house where it was gonna go. And within 10 minutes, converted. I probably spent about 15% more than I was going to because it was such an easy experience. I got a text message when the order was ready. And then I was able to respond when I pulled into a parking spot, tell them where I was parked and they brought it out to my car. So that convenience factor that some of these small businesses are creating in many ways is better for us than the experience was in pre-COVID for shopping, right? We're not gonna be battling people in Best Buy for you know, video game consoles. And so the opportunity there for businesses to create those experiences worth reviewing is to just really go above and beyond with the communication and the service and just elevating the experience of understanding that none of us are having a normal holiday season. So how can you be the happy bright spot in what's gonna be already be a pretty abnormal and weird part of the year? For sure. And now that you mention it, I, I remember that we've had a lot of businesses uh, implement Outcrow. So they basically use a quiz 
and they ask a couple of questions and then they direct you to a Zoom link to the shop assistant who then takes you around the shop based on how you answer the question. So it's a very personalized, they know the data, they know what you're looking for. And they, it also helps businesses on the other hand, right? Because uh, when they're collecting this data, they understand their audience and they know what they're looking for, et cetera, et cetera. So, okay, that's, those are very good strategies. That was a very complicated question, but you took it in a very great way. <laughs> okay, so that was the last question. Uh, but thanks everyone for joining us for this month's episode of Outgrows Market of the Month. That was Emily Washkowick, who is the Senior Field Marketing Manager at Yelp. Thanks for joining us, Emily. Thanks so much for having me. It was a pleasure to be here. Yeah, do check out their website for more details and we'll see you once again next month with another Market of the Month.